Newton Media Group, a family of creative services, presents the Voice Over Work podcast. Today is Friday, August 20th, 2021. On the podcast today, we take a little deeper look into a book introduced in a previous podcast with a chapter-by-chapter look at The Confidence Formula may cause lower self-doubt, higher self-esteem, and comfort in your own skin. Written by Patrick King, narrated by Russell Newton. Chapter 1. The Ripple Effect of Confidence There was a time in my life when I was deeply uncomfortable placing my order at McDonald's. However, it wasn't because I had inner turmoil about the massive load of saturated fat I was about to put into my body. It was because I had to speak to someone to do it. Sounds crazy, huh? If you're reading this book, though, I'm guessing it sounds a little too familiar. I remember one particular instance at an Applebee's. The waitress had come around to my side of the table to take my order, but I wasn't quite ready, so I tried to stall her by asking her what she recommended. I could sense her eyes burning a hole through my menu, the rest of the table staring at me and wishing I hadn't come, and the cooks in the back covertly planning to spit in my food. I started sweating all over, and my ears became so hot, I thought they were going to melt right off my head. I'd made such a huge mistake and now deserved to be outcast from the group. I felt rushed and latched on to the first menu item my eyes landed on. When the food came, I ate it as quickly as possible, left some money on the table, and, to my friend's protests, made up an excuse about having to go home. At home, I stewed over it for eons. After all, it was the single most embarrassing and awful disaster that had ever happened, right? Of course, to everyone else, Their friend was just asking the waitress for her recommendation. And to the waitress, the customer was having a difficult time deciding what to order. That's it. These might have been your thoughts as well. That I was making incredible leaps to conclusions that were blown out of proportion. But at no point did I truly think I was acting irrationally. I felt I'd made such a blunder that I deserved... Chapter 2. Core Beliefs and Automatic Thoughts Gina's been trying to talk herself into enjoying this work party for about 45 minutes now. It's not working. She's sitting in the corner booth of the pub where the party's being held. She's nursing a drink. She's staring at the candle on the table because it's a boring but safe thing to do. She's mastered the art of appearing preoccupied so she doesn't garner attention but also doesn't appear to be wandering aimlessly. Gina doesn't really want to take the risk of getting into a conversation with someone anyway, because all they'd see is her funny-looking smile. She thinks her lips contort when she smiles. She believes her smile looks more like a wince. Nobody likes a wincer. Besides, Gina would fall flat in conversation with any of these people. They're all frightfully smart. A couple of them went to Ivy League colleges. What would an Ivy League graduate have to say to someone like her? who only managed three years in a public state college. Gina thinks she'd only sound stupid. Brenda, who works in the cubicle adjacent to Gina's, stops by her table. Why are you hanging out here all by your lonesome self? Brenda asks. 
Gina smiles, or rather starts to smile, but stops because she hates her smile. Oh, no reason. I just, uh, I just started thinking about something and kind of lost track of time. Sometimes I do that. Brenda raises an eyebrow. Suddenly, Rick from accounting taps Brenda on the shoulder and says, Darts tournament starting now. I hear you're better at aiming pointy things than anyone in marketing. Brenda zips away. Gina's a bit taken aback. What was that eyebrow raise all about? What in the world did that mean? Brenda must think she's way too strange. Maybe it was her awful smile. She must... Chapter 3. Cognitive Distortions Our perception of the world is 99% incorrect. There's no other way around it. What we see is often not the reality that exists, and that's completely normal. Of course, this is a continuation of the prior chapter's discussion of flawed beliefs and patterns of thought. Our perceptions of the world around us are inaccurate because of one thing in particular. They're based on biases and perspectives we bring from our past. In other words, they're not based on how things are, but how we think things are according to how they used to be. To go even further, they may be based on memories of past events that, truthfully, we didn't quite perceive accurately in the first place. Unfortunately, in general, these misperceptions shed light on our insecurities and rob us of our confidence and power. If we had early childhood experiences that taught us to think of ourselves as inferior, unlikable, or worthless, then our personalities and worldview grow around these assumptions. When we encounter new situations or people, we pass these experiences through our distorted worldview and interpret it according to what we already know. If we know we're worthless, then not getting a promotion means we don't deserve one and we'll never get one. It also means that if we do get one, we think it must be a mistake or that people must feel sorry for us. Cognitive distortions are like those warped funhouse mirrors they are reflecting reality, but not as it truly is. For instance, we may unfairly compare ourselves to others or focus on the most negative aspects of a situation, a suspicion that a spouse or partner is cheating due to a grueling work schedule or the assumption that you're not like. Chapter 4. The Importance of Action and Exactly How to Do It The previous two chapters were about addressing your thoughts and, slowly but surely, altering them through various cognitive techniques. This is a process that works for many because it literally changes the way you think. Imagine the power of shedding your current assumptions about your relationships with people and reprogramming all your negative thoughts with carefree ones. However, there is a drawback to this approach. It's slow. It's hard. It's a process where you can take two steps forward only to take one step back. It can take months or years because you are completely reversing and substituting thought patterns you've had since you were a child. If you have low self-confidence, the temptation to self-chastise may be strong, especially if you have a few setbacks along the way. CBT attempts to apply logic to emotion. That's a tall charge because even though you logically know what you should be doing, your emotions can prevent you from acting on it. Remember all that stuff about the amygdala? That leap from emotion to logic doesn't always happen. 
You logically know you should stop watching television and do your homework. Makes no difference, does it? So, contrary to what others would have you believe, we can't always logic confidence into existence. Fear is not logical, and you can't reason with it. It doesn't listen to your arguments, nor does it have any interest in making sacrifices for the greater good. Again, it's not to say that CBT isn't one of the most effective weapons against a lack of confidence, but we do have another option. As we've already seen with the technique of ACT, confidence can be built through the life-changing magic of doing. Taking ACT. Chapter 5. The Confidence Transformation Formula by Dr. Aziz Ghazipura. Do you want more confidence? <laughs> Who doesn't? Virtually everyone can benefit from more confidence, and undoubtedly, that's why you're reading this book. You realize that more confidence doesn't just make you feel better on the inside, it also produces better results on the outside. The most confident version of you is more socially skilled, well-liked, desired, and sought after. This version of you is also the most effective at solving problems, delivering value, and earning more money in the world. Confidence truly is the master skill, and that's why I've been obsessed with it for going on 15 years now. It all began one spring day when I finally reached my breaking point at the age of 21. I'd spent almost a decade stuck in shyness, social anxiety, and self-loathing. Having no self-confidence was so ingrained, it was basically a fixed personality trait in my view. A decade of almost no dates, staying silent in groups, feeling inferior around others, and generally feeling bad about myself as a person. All this pain and frustration compounded until one day, literally in one moment of one day, I decided that I was going to get this confidence thing handled once and for all. Actually, to be honest, it wasn't so broadly focused on confidence in life. It was about ladies. I made a decision that I was going to do whatever it took to overcome my fear of women and to learn how to date. I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was really looking for was mastery of my inner confidence. Not just dating, but in all relationships. This has been The Confidence Formula. May cause lower self-doubt, higher self-esteem, and comfort in your own skin. Written by Patrick King, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2021 by Patrick King. Production copyright by Patrick King. More information regarding today's book and the author can be found at audible.com or amazon.com. Show notes and further information can be found at russellericnewton.com. With a collection of trivia, research, news stories, and knowledge from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work Podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.